Oh, it's okay. I've gained some weight, but it's Father's Day month. It's okay. Oh, hey, you don't look like you gained any weight at all. Looks like it went all to your arms. Oh, thanks, Doug. Yeah. I know you're not officially a father, but you can always be my daddy. Oh, well. Yeah, technically, we'll see how the bills go with that. Being a daddy's hard work. Yeah. As we'll get to here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, are you ready? I am ready. Perfect. This is Slashers, your favorite horror podcast about your favorite horror media. I am your host, Mikey, here with the one and only colleague, co-host, and cohort, Douglas. Doug, say hi to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, mutant goons from beyond. I hope you downed your coffee, stuck it into your IV holes, and uh, yeah, we're doing a DP double feature today for, for Dia de los Madres, or Dia de los Padres. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been good to be back on here. Last time I was on here, I sounded like a, I was under a fishbowl of water on the Evil Deer Rise episode. Oh my goodness. And I could say Evil Deer Rise because it was like that for a week on Spotify. Did it really say that? Evil Deer Rise. Yeah, that's why the numbers sucked. <laughs> Was that aid or was that your fault? Uh, no, I think it was aid. Oh, the English teacher. Unless it was, did I release that one? I don't think I released that one. I know aid was pissed. She's like, say, oh my God. I t Mikey, no wonder the numbers are so low. It's that evil deer eyes. No one knows he was dead. <laughs> was it my fault? Oh, well. I think knows? so. That's fine. Whatever. Um, And that is not going to make a difference. Everybody knows what we're talking about. If anything, we're just making fun of it. <laughs> Anyways, as you all know, we've been celebrating Fathers this month with our Father's Day Fright features. And um, when you listen to this Father's, when you listen to this episode, Father's Day would have been yesterday. So I hope everybody out there had a good Father's Day. Um, if not, very sorry to hear it. I'm sorry to those people. Oh, hopefully um, your alimony check came in. One yeah. Two. Hopefully your mom, you know, splits the the. What's it called? The well, yeah, yeah. Divorces are not uh, well for the dads. They're always getting the shaft. So unless unless the wife, unless the mom is like on drugs or you know prostituting or something. But. Well, sometimes not even that. But no. child support. There you go. I was like, what is child that term support, called? Yeah. I haven't heard that in a while because I haven't been a dependent in a while. But yes, hopefully the child support is being evenly distributed across you and your mom. Um, with that said, what are we reviewing today, Doug? What is the double feature? What's the Father's Day double fright feature that we're doing? Well, uh, the first, it was going to be two of them. So there's Scream 6 mm -hmm. and uh, Head of the Family. And the mm -hmm. thing is with Scream 6, when you told me Scream 6, I have, I mean, I've seen all the Scream movies. I'm not the biggest fan of them. Honestly, like the whole meta thing is kind of fanning its own nuts. I'm like, eh, you just think you're smarter than you are. What am I watching, PBS or like a teenage written drama? I hate that <laughs> shit. Um so when you said Scream 6, I was like, the who, the who? Like, why is it a Father's Day movie? But... Well, this is also a disclaimer, everybody. We will be, we will be spoiling Scream 6. Um, I guess we're also going to spoil Head of the Family, but it's like from 1996. And I don't really know if, what you can spoil from that movie because it's all pretty straightforward. Um, but Scream 6, we will be spoiling. Um, but before we get into that, I always like to ask, have you seen anything new, noteworthy, anything you want to mention? 
Um, yeah, I, I have seen a bunch of new things actually. Um, if you can see, you could rent it on Vudu. I liked it a lot. It's called Any's Men. Um, it's mm. another one of those A24 nut fanning things, but it's not just nut fanning. It actually legitimately feels like it was like on Super 8 from the 70s. Like it literally feels like like a fever dream. Um, I'm not going to explain it because I can't really explain it, but uh, watch it. It, it. It's it's creepy and it's not like, I don't know if it's meant to be creepy, but it's just, it feels like nightmares I've had before. It's weird to say, but it feels very fever dreamy. So. I We've saw the commercial. Nerd. Yeah, I saw the. I think we yeah. actually all watched the commercial when we did the commercial or the trailer. Yeah. Uh, thing for Patreon, it looks really good. I want to see it. Um, but I did see it was available on demand. But I haven't really been in the place to spend money yet. So I'm gonna wait. I'll get paid tomorrow. Maybe I'll watch it. Um, oh, there you go. Anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of older stuff that I've watched um, over time. I recently watched for the first time Crime Wave. Have you seen Crime Wave? Mm-mm, never heard of it. That was a Sam Raimi's second movie he did after Evil Dead, and it, it failed miserably. Wow. Was it even it more? Was, it, sounds like a police drama. No, it's, it, it's, no it's, a, it's a goofy comedy. Um, the guy who played Bluto from the Popeye movie, um, he plays the bad guy. He always does that eyeball thing like, mm. Um I enjoyed it. I was I was laughing. It is really stupid. It's just kind of and there's a lot of shots that are similar to Evil Dead. It's just kind of jarring seeing like a goofy slapstick comedy for, um, right after the original Evil Dead. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, well, I probably won't be checking that out, but I'll check out and and I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Inisman. Do they even say what that, do they say what that means in the movie? Uh, I'll, I'll, you'll have to watch it. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, for me and myself, uh, I took my daughter to go see the new Little Mermaid. Um, very middle of the road type of live action remake. It was fine. I just feel like, considering where we are with Avatar, we really should have done better with the effects underwater because there was a lot of cringy movements underwater that I was like, we're in 2023. We should not be making a movie about living underwater and having people move around like that. It was just very strange. Very un- I mean, obviously mermaids aren't real, but we know what fish look like when they move. We know what we know what when you're underwater, what you look like when you're trying to swim around. And it was just very it, it reminded me of I used to have this editing software back in the 90s where like for example, there was like a person walking and the person's like walking and then you could like drag it across the screen to make a little movie of a person walking across the street. But like sometimes the steps don't match with the pace. And it was it was like that. It wasn't that blatant or obvious, but I was paying attention. I was like, eh. and it was it was OK. My daughter, I think, was kind of bored because like towards the end, she was just like putting her hand on her, ch- her hand on her chin, just like looking up. Um, yeah. She probably wanted to watch the cartoon again. I'm just surprised, like, because isn't that like three hundred million dollars for Little Mermaid, and they yet they're doing green screen effects that they do on like Tim and Eric? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I assume it was really expensive, and I I know because it was so expensive, it's con- being considered a flop because it hasn't even made the money that it took to make it yet. Um, and it had nothing to do with the actors' performances. I know there's a big controversy out there amongst racists about mm, Ariel yeah. being black. She honestly was fine. I think she might be a a theater actress mostly because there is some overacting that I don't really care for. But it is a musical, so you know I I don't really care for musicals all too all that much. Um, but it was just there was a lot of cringy stuff. 
I I thought I was honestly going to like have moments where I was like gonna get teary eyed and like nostalgic, but no. And honestly, not even a lot of it takes place underwater. You know, a lot of it takes place when she becomes a human. Um, and that part's cool. I really liked what they did on land and they made a, cause in reality, Ariel only has one song in The Little Mermaid. Um, she only sings part of the world and then she harmonizes everything else with the, um, and so they gave her another song and, you know, they gave Scuttle a song, which was really cute. So like the songs are great, except for Prince Eric's song. That was a terrible song. Um, uh, but you know, and I, and it's funny because I think the kids are really into it when they're underwater and it's all bright and flashy and fish are swimming around, but then she gets on land and I'm like, okay, well now the story is getting good. But then the kids get disinterested because there's no longer all the effects happening. Um, but you know, it was to I think I gave it a either a two point five out of five or a three on Letterbox. It was just very average. But and I see I feel like the original Little Mermaid is so epic, even though it's a cartoon. Like it's so. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, I still remember the visuals, and the last time I seen it was on VHS, where it had. Uh, you remember the VHS that was pulled because it had the dick on the. Yeah castle that's <laughs> yeah. the last time i seen it um but yeah like, i mean i still remember like ursula getting penetrated with the boat yeah. um the sail mast so you know so for them to go and just make a middle of the road thing i mean that's how disney's doing it now what are they doing hunchback in notre dame now i saw that they advertise that that they're like we're doing hunchback in notre dame uh, and we're gonna um everyone's gonna be I, I don't know. Like, I feel like disney now is just trying to put check marks on everything instead of like oh let's make a legit good reboot Let's put check marks yeah. and check everything off to make everyone happy. And then we'll make a decent movie. Well, I also feel like another thing that was disappointing is because of the effects that were done underwater and because they were pretty much like, that's fine, I guess. Because the biggest thing that stuck out to me is Ariel sitting on a rock underwater and she like, she swims off the rock, but like she maybe like, I don't even know how to describe it she kind of just like swivels two feet and then swims away and i'm like that was bad like considering the budget that was really bad so i kind of just had this taste in my mouth that i was like i think they might have just done this for money and i don't like that like uh, these stories are too great to be something that you just do for a quick paycheck oh yeah well i mean hey you tell that to the disney fans of disney on this thing i don't care you sit down you're never gonna talk bad about you mermaid again this is my childhood you know what I mean? Like that's you don't do that. I'm go sorry. To places. That is our childhood. No one can take that away from us. It came out in ninety, or does it come out in eighty eight? When did it come out? I don't know. Anyways, uh, that thing was on VHS when I was born. So, well, either way, we're yeah, we're fine. We're not reviewing the Little Mermaid today, everybody. It's just a little side rant. Um, yeah, we'll review uh, the one on Tubi, Little Mermilf. Did you see that? I think it's from the same one that did Tiffany the Doll, the Little Mermilf. No. But that sounds terrible. I think we might have to do another Patreon episode for that. Um, so I also saw horror related this time. Um, Boogeyman. Even the Little Mermaid might be considered horror because Olivia was legitimately scared of Ursula. Neither here nor there. Melissa McCarthy, I love her. She's great. Anyways, um, I saw Boogeyman. PG-13 horror film. I don't... Oh, directed by... Uh, oh, I forgot who... But he did... Fuck. I'm not gonna. Well, Olivia's that. in for a rude awakening because Ursula looks like everybody in HR I've ever met. So how dare you? Um, <laughs> I'm an HR dog. Um, well, you got you got the Ursula hair going on. My hair's pink, say, not white. 
Well, where's your little snail? Doesn't Ursula always grab a snail and like make lipstick? No, I always get confused between that and a troll in Central Park. You ever seen a troll in Central Park? No, but she gets she gets like an anemone and does lipstick, and then she eats a shrimp. Oh, okay. Hey, so, I ate shrimp so, yesterday. Good for Ursula. Yeah, but she like puts a whole live shrimp in her mouth. Anyways, um, Boogeyman. Uh, I thought it was great. PG thirteen horror film, probably one of the better ones out there. Uh, legit scares, decent creature effects. If you like early two thousands PG thirteen horror, when we were doing like Darkness Falls, they uh, that kind of stuff, then I think you'll really like Boogeyman because it's it has scares. It's not perfect. There's a lot of fault in it. Um, but as far as the, de- the scare department goes, it delivers. So go watch Boogeyman if you feel inclined. Really? I'll have to check it out because we saw that when you came down to come visit here, um, or the trailer at least, because I got confused between the two, Boogeyman and then um, the other one with the hand that A24 Talk is putting out. Talk to me. Yeah, they look like I'm like, is this a remake of that movie that we just saw the trailer for? Well, Talk to Me is supposed to be really scary. I'm very excited for Talk to Me. Like, and even my friend Jenna had a priest she was at some film festival and they had like a surprise showing of a secret movie and um, it was talked to me and she was like holy shit you should watch it so i'm very excited for that one and it's funny because i feel like the scariest movies that i've seen in theaters don't seem scary because the trailer doesn't really seem that scary it seems like a typical supernatural kind of like um what was that one with kevin bacon stir of echoes something Mm. kind of like that but I'm like, okay, but if it's going to turn around and be like legitimately frightening, then I can appreciate you not giving everything away in the trailer. So, and it's, I think it's from New Zealand, so foreign. Yeah, yeah, I heard some sort of uh, English, uh, European accent in there. Yeah. But that brings us to the first entry of our double feature. Doug, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay, pick. To start off our show, we'll be reviewing 1996 charles band head of the family all right good enough for me what did i ask you when you said hey how about head of the family you were looking for another um sounds like some nut fanning over there you opening up a can of peanuts no i'm throwing my dog off my lap (laughs) oh okay that's what it was i'm hearing some wrestling like you're getting excited about head of the family let me tell you all right so Head of the family, yeah. It sounds like it, uh, you know, whenever you uh, pay your taxes, what does the dad always say? I'm the head of the household. I'm head of the family. Um, Bring me a beer, bitch. That's usually how it goes to the tax offices. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so head of the family. Charles Band. Now, this is one I held off on seeing for the longest time um, because I thought it looked stupid. Um, Even when I saw it as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to see that. It looks like Megamind or something. Um, But uh, yeah, I recently watched it on Tubi and I ended up buying the Blu-ray. I liked it that much. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, head of the family. It is a Father's Day movie technically because he Myron is. Uh, I would yeah, he's a dad. Genetically he's not the father, dog. He's of not his the three father. kids, yeah. Those are his kids, dog. And Titch, well, you know what she's used for, and the one for hearing, mm, he's great. Now these are my. He, and basically, they're like spawns of him. So technically, it's a dad. He's in. A, he's he's a giant no, head. Doug, they're quadruplets. <laughs> Well, this is an incest family. So too, they've had a dad somewhere along the line. We'll go with that. But I was watching it and I was like, he literally just said they're quadruplets and he's the brains. And well, he's the, I'd say he's the dad because uh, that's someone's not how fucking genealogy someone. works, Doug. <laughs> hey, in West Virginia, this movie counts as a father. He doesn't even movie. have a dick. He's just a head with legs and arms. 
You know, like he has a so Myron is like the head on the wheelchair, and he has like little pinball feet, and yeah. his head's ginormous. Uh, yeah, in fact, it, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, the the guy who plays him too, I, I thought like he was really great. He he's he's one of the regulars in uh, a lot of Charles Band's uh, movies. See, and stuff I was like trying that. to I was trying to figure out what he'd look like without all the makeup on because if you've been to Blockbuster Hollywood Video, whatever you went to in during your childhood and you were perusing the horror section, you probably saw this VHS cover. Um, I know I've, I've always seen it. I've just never watched it kind of like you. I was just kind of like, that looks kind of stupid. Not really interesting. How can, how can a large head with arms, actually he doesn't even have arms. It's a large head with hands. And does he have, yeah, he has little, little legs. Um, I was like, how is that? How is it going to be attacking people? Like what is, what's so scary about that? Um, So, Yes, Full Moon is Charles Band's production company, as we all know. Full, it's a Full Moon production. Charles Band directed it. He even wrote it under his pen name. Uh, I forgot what he used. He uses a, a yeah. different name. Yeah, it's a different name on here. Why? Why he used a different name for this movie? I have no idea because I think this is one of his best movies he ever did. Him so, directed personally. I will say. This is the full moon that I miss because this is when full moon took their movies seriously. I mean, it's a silly movie and it has a campy story, but they took the time and they, they made the effort to make a quality movie. Um, you have, hi, Yaji. Uh, she ruined the shot. I'm just kidding. Um, so you have good actors and good camera work. Like, the actors were also very attractive. I appreciate including some hot guys in this movie. Thank you. And one of them spends most of the movie in his boxers. Thank you, Charles Band, for looking out for the gays. Happy Pride Month. Um, but it's just, besides the stupid Jubilee music that every full moon movie has, when something serious is happening, I still can't get past that. But that's my only con, because I actually wrote a pro and con for this movie. Um, when did you uh, well, you I think saw that's, it first? Well, I saw it um, November of last year, so around Trash when Trash Juice came out. Oh, so um, it's fairly recently. It's fairly recent. I'm like, what the fuck? I've never seen this. Like, I would have loved this as a kid. It's super sleazy. This is the only movie I've seen where, where exposition is being told while people are fucking. Oh, I know. I was like, so much is being said. They have so many lines mid-coitus multiple times in the movie. I mean, hey, that, that's how future uh, the future of filmmaking should be. It's like, well, you know, if you're going to have boring dialogue, let's just have people fucking while they're talking. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? An hour and 22 minutes, you can't beat that. And uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is the dialogue in this movie is so outrageous. It actually feels like Tarantino wrote it. Um, yeah. I don't know if they were going based off like Pulp Fiction and stuff, but it it feels so different. And, and, and in interviews, Charles Band even says this is his best movie that he ever directed. Um and I like I, I okay I'll admit maybe if I was a kid I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this uh, like a younger kid like when I first saw Puppet Master and Demonic Toys and stuff because this is not one of those slasher movies this is like a weird oddball two a.m. movie that you'd catch and you know you'd be hanging out with friends partying and you're watching this movie like what the fuck because I feel like if like this movie like I, I already um I, my brother watched it um you know Micah watched it from Damn That Scary and we were just quote this movie like randomly like head of a fox mm, bring me my soup because the whole thing is like he's not a he, technically he is a killer but the whole thing is this head is sending out his um quadruplets to do his dirty work so he they could perform 
what was it, um, Macbeth or Shakespeare in the basement? Yeah. On his stage play? It's it's so fucking weird. Oh, and he wants to eat soup. There's yeah. a great shot of him eating soup. He's like, <laughs> he's like well, slurping out the I don't know about dog. great, but it's definitely a shot. Um, oh, I loved it. <laughs> well, give our audience a quick little summary of what this movie's about, please. Uh, yeah, so basically, um, the head is, uh, he's a giant head on a body, and uh, he wants to, uh, essentially, it, it's super weird because it's hard for me to explain it because it's, there's the guy at the diner who's who's fucking um some biker dude and uh the oh, head is like oh let's a fucking him he's fucking his he's fuck wife. he's fucking um, he's fucking the wife yeah. i wish he was fucking i'd be interested um okay i'll do it doug you're trying to no, well, you're, you're say, trying it's, to it's, explain uh, the whole movie and that's not I what i'm trying to explain is. the whole movie but basically what they, he wants to lobotomize people so they can perform shakespeare in his basement right so basically the movie is told from the perspective of a restaurant owner who they live in a small would you call it rural city yeah and he's having an affair with the biker's wife and they're in love and there's this creepy family that lives in town it's two men and a woman they don't talk they barely blink and so Upon further investigation, they find out that this family is setting up a fake speed trap or a fake traffic, whatever, a detour that goes into their house. They kidnap people and basically the people disappear. So he basically blackmails this family to take care of the woman that he's having an affair with to take care of her husband for them. So he gets entangled in this family. He finds out that the three individuals who walk around town kind of like zombies are being um, like they're basically being controlled by the mastermind who is the head of the family what's his name morton uh myron myron and myron well let me just interrupt you for a second i would say like see how you're explaining this here it'd be better Uh if you were doing like fucking while explaining this that's how this movie okay well that's good nathan i'll start from the beginning um but um yeah, so basically, he has some evil plot where he lobotomizes people and gets them to do a chilling rendition of, is it Macbeth or Joan of Arc? Because I'm pretty sure they were doing Joan of Arc at the end. Oh, Joan of Arc, yeah, Joan yeah. of Arc. It was something nut fanny like the PBS. Yeah, and so, yeah, so basically the guy blackmails the family to take care of the husband, which gets him deeper involved in family drama. He pushes his luck, and now the family's out to kill him and his lover. Um... I will agree that this is probably production-wise one of Full Moon's best movies because when you look at the catalog of Full Moon, besides Castle Freak, I don't really see a lot of movies or actors that like take these movies seriously. And what works so well is that all the actors in this movie take it seriously. Um, the writing is great. I'm not that big of a full moon fan to be able to compare it to like other writings and other films so i'm not sure if this is charles band's like best written movie but it does come off almost like a quentin tarantino type script where dialogue is very heavily used and it's the dialogue is entertaining it's not just a way of making the movie go by by having casual conversations like they have legitimate monologues and there's jokes it is funny i don't think a lot of things are funny in movies but this one had some funny parts um and the actors seem like legit actors like sometimes you get actors that are pretty but can't act or sometimes you get actors that can act that you're like oof why are they in this movie um but these 
these people look like working professional actors um, that look great. Um, the only cons I had, again, is that stupid music score that they put in the background of every full moon movie, except Castle, Castle well, Freak didn't have it. Castle Freak didn't have it, but I, I gotta go against you. I actually love the music in this. It reminds uh, me of like 90s Nickelodeon music. You would. Um, another thing that I didn't like, and this is obviously just a product of its time, is I didn't know he was supposed to be big, um, but he's supposed to be a giant head. So there's a lot of forced perspective where they actually have him closer to the camera and the audio and the rest of the cast is like behind him staring at him as if he was in front of them when he's clearly not, but he's just in front of the camera to make himself look bigger. And I was like, oh, that doesn't really work too well. Um, but sure, I'll play along. Um, but yeah. You got to remember too, when this came out, this was like predominantly VH, the VHS market. So a lot of people probably, you know, it was forced um, four by three yeah. scan. So you probably didn't get it as much as you did on the Blu-ray or on Tubi or wherever you've seen it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I would recommend this to anybody who likes cheesy horror movies, um, who likes full moon movies. If you already like full moon movies, this is probably going to be one that you think highly of. So definitely give it a watch there's like the girl in it is very pretty and she's very naked throughout the majority of it the whole time she's naked yeah i i think you even see anal and front camel toe so yeah you definitely see full-on vag um yeah what, what's the part like from ass to to the gooch from ass to cunt ass to gooch. oh my goodness yeah. speaking of so i i think is that actress a porn actress um, I, I think she might be. She showed everything. I seen the chocolate starfish. I seen the uh, nanner hole. Well, see the fun. The nan. Oh my god, Doug. The thing. <laughs> the thing is that like, I'm not here to body shame or to say that the adult film industry is not as anything negative. But the woman who plays Ernestine, I would have thought, would be the adult film star because you know she's very jenna jameson with like the makeup and like the huge fake boobs um and then the main act the main actress or the main character um loretta she doesn't even wear makeup and she's still beautiful um mm -hmm. like and she's the one that's like because i ernestine does get naked towards the end to seduce somebody but usually she's covered up except for some cleavage but the woman who plays loretta is full-on naked a lot of times and um yeah so it's funny because her credits oh no she is not an adult porn adult um actress maybe she has an alternate name or something no i think she might be in some softcore stuff because there's something called forest bathing friends with benefits oh yeah and there's familian seduction of the species so she might just be I... in a like erotic stuff not porn um I think Ken's played some of that on Midnight Sleeves on <laughs> B-Movie TV. So they sound familiar. Yeah. Uh, so I was right. The girl who does play, or the woman that plays Ernestina, she's, I believe, yeah, she's an adult film star. Um, oh, I see some um, trivia here. She basically mm. pulled a Tracy Lords, although she was not as famous for doing it as Tracy Lords was. Um, and... The funny thing about this is I'm looking at, because I looked through these actors, IMDb, and she's in a movie called Cunt to Cunt. Um, My Mommy Bangs My Brothers Mommy. 2. Mom Loves Cock. <laughs> Part 2. Hot Mocha. Suck okay. It Dry. Hard to Swallow. Interracial Lesbian Nation. 
and Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster. <laughs> well, it wasn't I think I saw an interracial facial in Hard-Ons in the Hood too. Um, I mean, I didn't go back that far, but I'm pretty sure she might have been in there. Yeah, there was a um, one I think it was like Law and Order drama. I think it was called Hung Jury. I can't remember. There's Big Tit Swim Team, American Bukaki 20, Pink Eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what that is. Um, yeah, so oh, and then one called Cannibalism. Uh yeah, so she has a very extensive um, <laughs> look at her IMDb page. If I am. I'm, I'm looking at it. There's an over-the-shoulder boulder holder too. So oh that's a good goodness. one. Up your ass, eighteen. It's a lot of movies. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she's retired now. You know. Yeah. Got to get some um, Botox. She's in beautiful. The she's beautiful. The concept that Myron controls these siblings is a little strange because. You have Otis, who's like the physical strength, and you have Wheeler, who's his sight, basically, like really good eyes and ears. And then you have Ernestine, who they just say has sexual powers. And so, but she doesn't really use them. They just go get like groceries and stuff. But I'm like, yeah, they go to, they go to grocery stores and they like, uh, yeah, it's like, like we paid for coffee and just stare at them. With that, but but it's funny. Otis, um, he's 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 that one note character. He's like pretty girl. Yeah, yeah. And so I've just been interested to see uh, how many times Myron has used Ernestina's sexual powers. To well, have the thing sex is, he, people. It's kind of funny. He's like he doesn't even uh, like like if she orgasms, he kind of like licks his lips. And, they, mm -hmm. and he like always has drool coming out and stuff. He licks his lips for everything. And then when he <laughs> licks Loretta's boob with his huge tongue. <sighs> that was good well hey some people are into that kink yeah. um you know i i just uh yeah the thing is like if you're going in there expecting this to be like a slasher movie where where myron is running around in a real chair slashing people this isn't it in fact i find it funny that even um who is it lance uh like the smooth talking guy and i noticed too, like, even when he's upside down and stuff his hair is so full of product um he's got like that 90s uh bowl cut like the or who was that kid in the '90s that was popular and everyone wanted to? He was on Home Improvement and stuff, and everyone's like, "I want to have hair like that, even oh, if you have curly hair." Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan, yeah, he has the Jonathan Taylor Thomas haircut. I think it's called the butt cut, isn't it? Because the it's parted down the middle like a butt. Yeah, and he has that. And he's the smooth talker one. He's like, well, and, he, and I find it funny because he always pisses off Myron. Like he's one of those people where it's like, please, like instead of saying like, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, he's like, well, let me go ahead and make you a deal. I know about this, and then Myron's just like. He's always rolling his eyes like, oh, here, here we go again. Mm. Yeah, I liked it, though, because it was different. Because to have, like, the groveling, please, no, it's, it's too standard. I liked that he was matching his energy. Yeah, they were, like, um, too. he was hot. Yeah, yeah they were. And, and he was fit, too. I was surprised. Like, a skinny guy, like, having abs like that. Hey, good for you. What are you eating? Nothing? Mm. Eh, it's just jeans. Eh, fucking jeans. I know and his big ass boxers at the end when he's being held upside down. I was like, those are huge underwear. That's what we people used to wear back in the nineties. Um, but yes, I say, give it a shot. I'll probably rate it three stars out of five stars. It'll be on my letterbox soon. Um, this is not as dad thematic as I wanted it to be, but sure. We'll go with it, Doug. Why not? We oh. already saw it. You know, I was going to say Greasy Strangler, but we already did that. Uh, That's a perfect Father's Day movie. Yes, it's perfect. 
Yeah, well, this one here, like I say, in, in uh, West Virginia and uh, Alabama, um, even Mississippi, too. The head of the Family is a Father's Day movie. Oh, my goodness. So we'll get some uh, some ad revenue there. Yes, well, speaking of an actual Father's Day movie, that closes the chapter on Head of the Family. I'm very sorry. Um, I almost ruined Scream 6 for Adam because we watched it yesterday. I already see, I have already seen it. Adam hasn't seen it. And I was like, hey, I have to watch this for the podcast tomorrow. You want to watch it with me? And he's like, yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, we're watching it for our Father's Day episode. And then I realized, I was like, oh, mm. shit, just give away who the killer was. And so before he could even think of it, I was like, ah, blah, 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 blah. and like I said something else real fast. <laughs> he this jaw drop. He's like, you just ruined this movie's two hours and two minutes. You just ruined all that. No, he didn't catch it, uh, thankfully. But this brings us to, I don't know how to say scream in Spanish. But Scream 6. Scream VI? No. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you scream a question eight. real quick. Scream, why is it Scream 6 and then the last Scream is just Scream? I think they were... They... They... Used... Wait, did they? know? It was like know. a re- sequel to the requel. So. Yeah. Yeah, and so I don't know why. I thought they... Did they use the num- the number five as the S in the last scream? Not like for the official title, but did they ever use that for promotional? I, I was calling I it five it. cream as a joke. Five cream? Well, it could yeah. be five cream. You know, that's the that's the other porno version. So, hi. Oh yeah, Marguerite has entered the match. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that's the weird thing because I feel like. This movie, uh, you know, no spoilers to Scream 5, we're about to ruin Scream 6, but I felt like Scream 6 really, um, I felt like Scream 6 really made um, the killer in Scream 5 is like the new Billy Loomis, where it's like, oh, we gotta worship him, he, she's like the main one, the main one, I'm like, what about all the other killers from the past? Yeah, I don't feel like Scream 5 was powerful enough to do that, like, whereas, you know, Billy Loomis is kind of like the mastermind behind everything, even though he according to the screams series it was really roman from the third one i think i don't remember um but um scream six we have no sydney uh it's after the murders that happen in woodsboro the sisters tara and samantha head to new york city with fellow survivors for a new start Trying to overcome the trauma of the previous film, the sisters struggle in setting their own boundaries with each other, however, are interrupted by a string of murders that will connect them back to the events to Woodsboro. That was my own little summary that I wrote. Um, It's directed by Matt Bettelini-Orpin and Tyler Gillette, which I believe they are responsible for... Is it better? Watch out. No, No, that's the Christmas one. Ready or not? Yeah. Ready or not? Ready or not? Okay. Yeah. And speaking of ready or not, we also have the wonderful so, Samara Weaving. So, yeah, she's in the intro, which which I was surprised. I'm like, oh, did they uh, film this in New Zealand now? Everything's being filmed in New Zealand. But uh, <sighs> yeah, so, so you know, Scream always starts with like weird intros and stuff. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Scream fan. Um, I've seen them all, you know, once or I, I, the first one was fun. But out of all of them, when I think about it, I I, I remember Scream Four the most. Oh really? Um, because I really like the intros where it's like four different mm-hmm. intros that are like one fake out after the other. And I thought this that's what this one was going to go into, but it starts out with just like some uh oh I'm on uh, 
I'm I'm in Film Hub and I'm I'm putting in my review. It's just a two star movie. It was like the two film students that are incels. Um, well, I feel you know, like, we've all seen them. I feel like Scream Six because each Scream movie tends to highlight like something about the horror genre. You know, you have slashers for the first one, the second one, sequels, the third one's about trilogies, the fourth one is about remakes, the fifth one's about requels, and I think this one is supposed to be commentary on fan films, um, which is why you have the opening with the two wannabe killers. I mean, I guess they are killers, but um, I felt like this was the weakest opening of the Scream series. It wasn't terrible. I like the idea of having a fake out in regards to like, these are the kill, like, this is the killer. No, just kidding. There's another killer out there. But I just felt that Samara Weaving maybe should have deserved a better death. Every scream opening is the death, the, the opening kill is like, it's intense and it lasts a little while. Um, whereas with Samara weaving, she was just kind of walking down an alleyway and then she gets stabbed. And I, I feel like it's kind of a waste because she's so talented and she has such a presence on screen. I would have liked to see something else. Maybe she had limited time. I don't know. They were like, just get her in and get her out. Um, mm -hmm. But I do feel it was the weakest opening of, of the Scream movies altogether. Ultimately, I do like that it was like... Because Adam has no patience with movies. The guy takes did, off the did mask. Did he like Scream 6? He did. He took off the mask. When the guy took off the mask and thing, he's like, oh, so we know who the killer is? So that's it? And then, like, when the killer, when the real killer calls him, he's like, oh, so we're not going to know who the killer is in this movie? It's going to be the next movie? And I was like, Adam, just watch the fucking movie. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we have Jenna Ortega returning with Melissa Barrera. How do you feel about them in the Scream movies? Um, I, I like them. I, I actually, uh, Jenna Ortega is great. I think she's a great actress. Um, the other one is just kind of whiny, whiny. You, oh, I'm gonna bitch about this. Oh, my trauma. There's one thing in here that I kind of feel like how, um, the, like some of these movies are when they like do sequels and stuff with the characters. Like, what about you? The trauma. She's like, you're supposed to be having trauma too. And then Jenna Ortega says. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. I don't give a shit. I'm going to put that in my... Like, why don't more characters do that? I think that was pretty smart on their part. Yeah. Instead of like, I'm going to spend all my thousands of dollars a month on uh, betterhelp.com. We got to suffer our trauma. It's like, no, just get over it. You know, what does Jamie Lee Curtis say? Flash out your tits and stick them, give them the finger or something? I don't remember that. It was Halloween ends. But I will say that even though I liked Halloween ends, I feel... Because I, I did think about it because even though they don't say it in the scream movies this last one and this one are very much um focused on trauma and how to get through it because we have like my favorite part of the last scream movie of five and i didn't really care for five too much i didn't hate it but it's you know they're not as epic as the original three but i really liked when she talks to sydney about like does it get better and she's like nope um and like that moment was so real and it it they there's so many moments that i feel could be really emotionally impacting but they just breeze by them because they breeze by that one and then in this one when she's talking to gail about your chosen family and she says what happens if you lose the one person you choose and then dewey's theme song comes on which clearly means she's thinking about dewey but they don't have to say it that, again, was like, they breezed by it real quick. She's like, oh, it's fine. You just find someone else. Keep going. And then, like, 
it's like no like focus on the emotions let us feel this out um but i feel like it handles trauma a lot better than halloween did i don't know if maybe when halloween started tanking they were like uh put pick something out of your ass uh it's about trauma it's about trauma um because i don't feel like halloween was about trauma no i don't think so either yeah if anything scream five and six handled it a lot better um but yes but we're not talking about halloween we're talking about scream six uh we have courtney cox returning do you care if nev campbell is in scream or not um i don't care because you want to know why she wasn't in scream well first of all they didn't want to pay her enough but she's in twisted metal the show i can't wait so is she she is yeah she's the driver of shadow the hearse Ooh, that's cool so i'm I, oh i can't wait i'm fanning my nuts but uh, yeah, so she did a something. I wouldn't necessarily say better. Like honestly, like I'm thinking about what would she even do in this movie? What would she be doing in New York? Huh? Yeah. Do you feel like they said enough about her that insinuates they're gonna try to get her back for this next one? Um, I think so. Like if the paycheck is, you know, now the fans can demand everything. The fans changed the way Sonic looked, so you know they can uh, they can bring Neb Campbell back. Um, I I feel like honestly, but here's the thing though with Scream Six, like I feel like. As much as it is, like, I feel like Friday the 13th, part eight, has more New York in it than this one. Like, honestly, this could have been anywhere and it would have been the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like New York was just kind of like a facade of like, oh, we're going to do something different. Um, And this literally could have been anywhere. The only thing that was truly New York specific was the bodega and the subway scenes. Yeah, the subway scenes, yeah. That was all kind of it. And also, you know, we forget that it takes place on Halloween. And in New York, I've never been, but I assume it's not out of the ordinary for people around Halloween to dress up in their costumes and walk around the city. And so I know that they wanted to do I love that they did that because every time I watch it, I see something new going on, like a, a new character being dressed up. Like they have at the party, in the frat party, they have someone dressed up as Wednesday Adams, which I think is funny because Jenna Ortega plays mm. Wednesday. And then on the subway, you have someone dressed up as um, Samara Weaving's character in Ready or Not. Um, so that was like another cool Easter egg. Uh, so I really like that it was like, hey, people are walking around town in their Halloween costumes, and it's normal because this is New York. So yeah, it could have been it could have taken place anywhere really, but I think mm, I didn't hate that it was in New York. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you my issues I had with this. Like, I know all the characters. Like, I only watched Scream 5 one time. Or 5 Cream or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I only watched it one time. And, like, all the characters, you got your surviving characters there. But this one, where I just felt like it made my dick soft. What I'll say is, like, I know we're probably jumping the gun here. But nobody of significance dies. And then people get stabbed, like, 20-some times in the stomach, in the throat. And you're still walking around. You're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you have the nerve to make jokes and say, did I miss the ending monologue? Like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious? Like, it's pointless. So I, I'm glad I saw it a second time after knowing who the killers were because I noticed a couple of things that I didn't notice before. Um, so yes, one of the biggest complaints is that none of the main characters die. And so while I don't think it's necessarily needed, it's kind of like, oh, we didn't really lose anybody of significance. Um, but they also make the comment that they're subverting expectation because in these movies you expect a legacy character to die. Um, and so they're like, oh, no, we're just kidding. We didn't do that. Because they even mentioned it like, oh, I forgot what she said. Um, 
Like nobody cares about the legacy characters. It's okay if they die. Yeah, but at the very end, when um, the lesbian girl—I forgot her name—when uh, she comes back from the hospital and she's like, "I'm on so much painkillers," um, and she's like, "And look, none of us even died. That's so weird for a requel or, or a sequel or whatever." Um, but you know, the whole time she calls out who the killers are, and she even says their motive. The first thing she does, she says that the guy probably uh rigged the lottery to stay with the brother of the twins um and he did and then she even says the girl's dad is a cop like what a better cover-up than to do that uh and that ended up being true and so it's funny because when she gets stabbed on the subway and she sees the guy that she thought is the killer and she's like i got it wrong again it's like actually you didn't it's just someone else stabbed you but he's still the killer so there's a lot of things that i realized i was like oh she actually did guess that she was right the whole time um but she, i don't think she was expecting for all three of them to be connected and to be the, the killers ultimately yeah and uh th there's some good there's some good scenes in here too i actually really like um instead of stabbing all the time i actually like that ghost faced or one of them one of the three uh was in the convenience store with the shotgun i thought that was pretty cool so a little know... tense a little hood sighty I would say, because I usually don't like guns in horror movies, but I thought that that was done really well because it's not his main weapon, but he's an opportunist. Um, and it was scary because guns to me usually aren't scary because it's like, oh, well, now you're just cheating. Um, mm -hmm. But with the bodega, I thought it was done really well. I, ho I don't want them to do it again. I don't want them to use a, a gun again as a murder weapon because at the very end when it ends, there's like a flash of, ghost face like cocking a shotgun and i was like please don't let that be foreshadowing that he's gonna bring it back next movie because we got the gun scene in the bodega and it was perfectly suspenseful and even adam when we were watching it uh, i was trying to remember what part it was maybe i think it was the bodega scene and he was like man this one's a lot more tense than the fifth one i was like yeah um yeah, well, there wasn't any, like, the fifth one has a scene, I remember, someone ca catches on fire on the stove, I thought that was pretty cool, they don't, they don't really match okay. that, um, there's a good scene with the ladder in here, too, but mm -hmm. I did feel, um, I, like, your issue with the Little Mermaid, how you're like, ah, oh, the effects are cheap, when they're on the ladder, um, escaping from one building to the other, um, I could see it's just a green screen, because you could kind of see, like, when she's shaking the, uh, something's not right there. You know, it's not like, I mean, granted, you wouldn't want an actress to be on a real uh, ladder falling off a building anyway, but it, it was very obvious. I'm like, I could tell this is green screen yeah. just by some of the movements, but hey, yeah. whatever. I mean, you probably can because you have some like familiarity with making movies. I didn't catch it, um, but I don't really work with green screen a lot. Um, so it makes sense why you would have caught it. You and Aid, the queen of green screen for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh yeah well until the sun goes down that's yeah or the or it blows over <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so there was even lines that i liked that they said that mimicked the tone because uh, i've seen the screen movies enough i used to have the first one memorized when i was a kid um so i know them very well and i've noticed they they say lines in this one that were said very similarly in the same tone in previous ones. Um, like, and this one is very, it's almost like a remake of this, of Scream 2, because there's a lot mm -hmm. of Scream 2 Easter eggs in it. When Jenna Ortega says she's thinking about pledging Omega Beta Zeta, that's Sarah Michelle Gellar's um, sorority in Scream 2. 
And um, there's even a part, I don't know if you remember in Scream 2, it used to be on the commercial in the night or yeah, in the 90s when they were advertising Scream 2, where Dewey and Randy are naming suspects. And he's like, what do you say? He's like, oh, he goes, but if, and then you, he goes, but if you're a suspect, I'm a suspect. So let's move on. And Dewey's like, well, wait, no, no, no. He goes, but if so-and-so is a suspect, then I'm a suspect. So let's move on. And he's like, well, wait, maybe you are a suspect. He's like, well, if I'm a suspect, you're a suspect. And Dewey's like, okay let's move on um and they had a very similar type event happen when they're sitting at the courtyard and they're naming the suspects and they're like Mm. we can't be suspects because we were from the previous movie and they were like well what if you you know like went crazy and yada 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 and then this is also a very fan film type movie because they talk about when she says Courtney Cox would have been a great killer. It's because people online were really hoping that Courtney Cox was going to be a killer. And they kind of, they say what people on Reddit actually say, like of who they think should be the killer in the future. And so there's a lot of real world fan theories that they put in this, uh, which is why I think the main theme here is fan movies. And of course we find out the killer is, uh, what was his name? He was the dad the um the dad and the daughter and the basically the the one girl that can't stop fucking in the room um, sex positive sex po- she, she, yes you yeah. well, I could I could smell it. I smell a little chlamydia in there but uh <laughs> yeah she was cool <laughs> I liked it was her, her pajamas yeah yeah she was funny I liked her too but um yeah then it goes into the whole Scooby Doo thing but I guess that's the whole all, all the screams are they go in their monologue at the end. Yeah, but I don't think it ever tops the first one. Uh, well, I, I like no. Aunt Jackie in the second one. So, the second Scream movie is a very strong movie. Um, now, this one is being called the most brutal Scream movie so far. Do you think it's the most brutal? Um, it it, it had violent stabbings and stuff, but I don't think uh, honestly, like I I think the fourth one is still the most violent to me. Really? Yeah, like when she's beating herself up over the table and then she stabs the cop in the forehead. Um, yeah. Or maybe it may have, I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen all of them, but uh, I guess I could say this one probably has the most stabby stabs out of all of them. And you get some guy's head blown off with a shotgun, so there's that. Yeah, I was hoping, honestly, for more. Because I, I, before it came out, they were like, this is the most violent, most disturbing Scream movie. And I was like, okay, cool. I was hoping more for like a Halloween Kills type aesthetic. Because mm. even though Halloween Kills blows... Those kills were amazing in Halloween Kills. Um, so I was hoping more for that, but I was like, I don't know if it's more brutal or if we're just stabbing people's faces more. And that's ultimately going to be more queasy because that would fucking hurt. Like, yeah. throats are being stabbed, not slip, but like throats are being slabbed, eyes are being stabbed, foreheads are being stabbed, mouths are being stabbed. There was a lot of face stuff going on. Um, yeah, there there was a scene in the bathtub that um, I guess I seen like behind the scenes stuff because it was a lot bloodier in the behind the scenes pictures than that was in the actual movie. It was like a quick glimpse of like a bloody bathtub. The you guy, remember that the, when they're running the, through the, the lover? The lover, yeah. Yeah, we didn't really ever see him until he was dead. So I maybe he's in some deleted scenes that I haven't seen yet. Um, but yeah, so was there any Easter eggs that you caught in Scream Cease? Um. I was waiting for like the Jason takes Manhattan one. I guess that they did mention that, didn't they? I could have sworn he's um, watching it in the beginning. Okay, yeah, no, I. What's the other one here too? Um, honestly, like it's like it's like I remember Scream Five and I remember all the other sequels, but it's been a while since to really recall like any like super fan like oh my god, they mentioned this, 
And that's a reference to Scream 3. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I didn't catch many of that. Um, but I will say, I don't think uh, Gail is dead. Um, oh, no, she's not. They said at yeah. the end. Yeah. See, there you go. No one of significance died in this movie. But yeah, I will but I say on 4K. The... Yeah, well, um, I don't know if it, they made her that for the movie, but I was watching this in 4K and I'm like, man, Courtney Cox, uh, you know, for better or worse, you got so much makeup and Botox done to you. You're starting to look like the the Michelin man. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. She's well, gorgeous, that's okay. Doug. She's gorgeous. No, she uh, looks great for her age, but I will say, like, you know, the stabbings probably doesn't help. You know what like, oh, Adam I got said, stabbed more times. What's that? When Hayden Panettiere came out, Adam said, she looks great for her age. I was like, Adam, she's like our age. Like, <laughs> she <laughs> she looks, I mean, I, I know Aid hates her, um, but. I, Kirby, she, right? Yes. And oh, my God. So she's wearing that leather jacket and she has that blonde bob. I could not stop thinking about Tiffany from Chucky. The doll. Yeah, she looked just like she, her. I'm like, if she, they ever make a remake or something. I know, but also I guess she might have had like some Botox or something because her face is a little frozen. So maybe that's also why she looks like Tiffany. Um, but ultimately, she does look <laughs> like, good. She's she looks cute. like the doll version. Yeah, she's cute. I like her. I'm glad that she survived. Um, and then I said, Adam, that's not something you say about someone as old as Hayden Pence. Like you said that about Courtney Cox, not Hayden Pentier. But I do think um, one of the pieces of trivia that I found was really funny was Hayden Panettiere was supposed to be in Scream 5, but, like, they couldn't find her. Like They couldn't find her? No. Like in Botox. She didn't have an agent or anything. She was just, like, living somewhere. Um, it wasn't until... Because this movie is her first release since Scream 4. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> I guess Kevin Williamson ended up working with producers from that show that she's part of um nashville i was gonna say tennessee mm -hmm. <laughs> nashville and they were like uh can you help me get a hold of her and they were like sure and then they found her and they're like hey we want you to be in this movie and like i just think it's so funny because you know just be like and she wasn't it's not like she's like not popular like people know who she is so it, it's weird to be like that famous and then just like disappear and like a major writer is trying to find you and has to go through producers to find you. So I just thought that was funny. I'm like, that's the yeah, life I want yeah. to live. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Where was she living at? Like New Zealand or Australia? Or no, she was, like she was somewhere in America. I forgot where she was, but but I'm glad she's back. I'm, I, yeah, I no, she... I was glad she was back too. But yeah, she did um, She did look exactly like Tiffany there. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm thinking like, what, what the fuck were they a broader? Where would she have fit in part five? I don't know, but apparently she her voice had a cameo in part five. I didn't. I know that she was on the side, like when Dewey's looking through his phone contacts. She her name pops up, and then someone's looking at YouTube, and on one of the recommended videos, it's like interview with Kirby Reed on surviving whatever whatever. Um, so like she does pop up in that sense, but I guess they waited until this one to actually bring her back. But I'm glad she's there. I like her. I've, I always liked her, even in the original one. I like the dynamic of having two people obsessed with horror movies interact, um, mm -hmm. you know, when they're going back and forth about scary movies. Um, I thought that was really cute. Yeah, it's just like this here. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it again because I, I did enjoy it a lot more the second time. The first time it was ruined for me because my friend, I'm trying to remember when exactly it happened. Uh, my friend who was sitting next to me, it was pretty early on. It was the first time they show the news story of samantha attacking that woman that was calling her names or whatever and mm -hmm. he looks to me and he's like i think the cop's the killer and i think that redhead girl's his daughter and i was like 
I swear to God, if that's true, I'm going to be so mad at you. And as I was watching it, I was like, it's going to be true. <laughs> and it ended up. Well, true. did you think the incel was part of it too? The one that's like, well, I'm, I'm still a virgin. Or what did he say? He says, I'm like, oh, I've yeah. never been kish before. No, we, he didn't guess him. Um, because they do talk about in the beginning, they do mention about having, she mentions having a brother that I forgot if they mentioned he died or if he disappeared. Um, and so I think that was another clue that my friend had, but we didn't know about the, the other guy. We thought he was just kind of like a filler character, mm. but the one thing that I do really like about this movie is this is the first time in the scream franchise that I feel things got pretty dark because like this is the first time we actually see our heroines not just one of them but both of them like seemingly like killing um and i loved it like even jenna ortega's yeah. character you can tell she's kind of getting into it so maybe they're going to explore it more because um, i don't because billy loomis isn't jenna ortega's character's dad it's just samantha's dad i think um and so when she Basically, when they have to split up because she's falling off the, the the balcony, she's like, you have to let me go. Give me your knife. I got this. And then she, like, fucks everybody up. I love that. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's very strange because I feel like the goodness in everybody wants to admit that we don't have a killer instinct, but we do. Especially when it comes to protecting family members and ourselves. Like... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like I said, like these, um, they would be good, I think, for the sequel if they really want to change things up. Just have it be like Sleepaway Camp 2 or 3 where it's like just make Jenna Ortega um, and her sister killers. And it's like, oh, if you're bad, if you're talking bad about me, I'm going to kill you. Like, literally, they should go a Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 route. I, I'd love that. That would change things up drastically. They won't do that, Doc. Oh, well. Hey, Kevin Williamson, where are you at? The, I'm putting money down. If, if I see that happen, I'm like, okay. Where's the I chunk of change? I think the fourth one was the last one he wrote. I think he's still credited as writer in some of these just because he created, like, Courtney Cox's character and Sydney. Mm. Well, Sydney's not in this one, so that leaves her with just Courtney Cox. I think they're going to try to make amends by the next time, and I think they're going to try to get her back. And I don't know what they're going to do, but one of my theories is that Melissa Barrega is going to go full-on ghost face and Sydney's going to have to come and stop her. Or they make Sydney the killer. I don't think they'd do that. That's too. No, I, 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 I'd guarantee they got to make one that just ended all. You know what I mean? Just kind of make one that pisses everybody off, like Halloween ends did. Uh, there we go. We just keep mentioning that. I'm still saying I want Ghostface to be a supernatural tulpa. That's just me. Because it's always so. It's not scary when you unmask him. The whole movie for me, all the scares go away as soon as you unmask the killer, and you say, "Oh, it's him." Yeah, the uh, movie changes drastically. Like I even when Yahira was watching, she's like, "Man, the, the ending's a lot different from the other." Like once they reveal who they are and they go on their fifteen minute dialogue and why they why this is why I do what I do. Yeah, uh, you know, and it just it turns into like it just an action movie almost like a yeah. crime drama. So suspense thriller yeah mm -hmm. i feel the same way but but yeah i how would you rate it do you think it's a good movie would you recommend it you know i'll, I'll be honest like i said like i'm not really waxing my carrot over all the screen movies because like you know they're tolerable i watch them um but this movie was it entertained me i i had to split it up halfway because um i watched the rest of it upstairs before bed and um yeah i was actually eager to like watch the rest of it i'm like okay the cheese is getting good 
what's yeah. going to happen here. So I was excited to watch it. Honestly, it entertained me. I, I would have liked to. Um, I don't think I would have liked to see this in the theater because then I would have been pissed. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I paid 15 bucks for a movie ticket. Because I will say, like, a lot of the dialogue in this is, uh, it feels like a kindergartner or like some some like. Oh, you know, Reddit fans. Ooh, ooh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna type down like, like just the stupidity of it. I'm like, eh. I even mentioned that to you when you first started. I'm like, did I, did like a high schooler write this? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not the great greatest writing wise, um, but it is entertaining and it is suspenseful. Um, every movie, every screen movie, always kind of loses its magic with me when you un- unmask the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the direction it's going in. And I think this next one's supposed to be the last one. So I'm excited to see what they bring and how they close the chapter. Yeah, um, I'm excited too. Now, let me ask you, because I I, I was looking into it um, when I was watching this. So I'm like, okay, what any loose ends I have to like figure out before I watch Scream 6? The TV show that came out on MTV, that has nothing to do with these movies, right? Like there's no characters in the show. Oh, that... no. Yeah, there's nothing. I okay. think there was there was one Easter egg about the show, and that was when they're looking at a website about the the theories that Sam is actually the killer. They have like a illustrated poster where it has half of Ghostface and half of a girl screaming. I think it's supposed to be Samantha, but that was the poster for the TV show where it was the main girl screaming and um, the other half was Ghostface because they didn't even use Ghostface mask in. And, okay, so the TV show got weird because it was two seasons where they weren't even using the ghost face mask. And then they completely, like, ignored those seasons and made another one that was completely separate where he did use the mask. So, I don't know. I watched all of them, and they were okay. But mm. the movies don't really... I mean, I'm, there might be more, like, Easter eggs about the show that I didn't pay attention to. But there was nothing glaring for, from someone that saw the series... I didn't see anything that was like, oh, that's from the show. Okay. Well, I mean, this is coming from someone who's not the biggest Scream fan. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, it definitely made me want to finish watching the rest of it. You know, and I had to take a little break to go do some stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to sit down and finish it. So there you go. That's my two cents. I, I enjoyed Scream 6. I'd say uh, give it um, how many railroad um, rail railroading up the pink starfish? Oh my. Uh, do I give it? I give it three out of five railroadings up the pink starfish. Well, that's about as much as I can take. Also, so me and Scream Six have a lot in common. And with that, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. You can catch Head of the Family on Shutter. Was it on Tubi? It's on Tubi Shutter. Um... Yeah, I think it's even free on, like, YouTube movies and stuff. Yeah, because I saw it on Shudder. Um, Shudder has a great copy, so watch that if you want to. You can watch Scream 6 on Paramount+. Plus. You can probably rent it also. I don't think it's anywhere else. Um, if you want to support us monetarily and get access to a couple of exclusive episodes, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash slashers pod if you want to buy anything from dental dams to coffee cans you can find us on redbubble at slasherspod.redbubble.com you can follow us on instagram at mutant goons from beyond and you can also see all of our individual instagram accounts from there as well i think that's all we have we have a facebook group you can join called mutant goons from beyond as well do us a favor and give us a rating whatever you listen to us to it'll help out let us know if you want to hear anything specific there's going to be an email in the show notes if you have any recommendations. For all the fathers out there, I hope you'll have a great Father's Day month. And without further ado, this is 
Mikey and Doug signing off saying goodbye, good die, and whatever you do, don't pick up the phone. very eloquently said that's some good character development i'll develop these tits all over your face but anyways anywho y'all have a wonderful uh whatever it is and then we'll see you next week bye all right bye